With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 champ. Okay, good to have you along for the ride tonight. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Chet. Hey, yeah, the Eskimos uh, bringing Aaron Grimes back. That's pretty cool. You can get more on the Eskimos page on 630Chet.com. Oilers center Leon Dreisaitl pretty thrilled to see Germany beat Sweden at the Olympics. Now Germany and Canada in the semis. No, I didn't watch it live, but um, <clears throat> uh, obviously the first thing I saw on my phone was, was the score. And, um, you know, guys guys from that team texting me and stuff and um, you know, it's it's pretty pretty special who was the first person you got in touch with I, I have I have a lot of friends on that team so um, you know I talked to talk to every one of those guys and um, you know it's pretty pretty emotional pretty special for for a country like us so has the chatter started in here already about playing playing Canada yeah I, uh, I have a few a few bets on the go um, so um, you know, hopefully they can they can surprise uh, surprise them again. What what would it mean for whether there's NHLers or not? What would it mean for Germany to beat Canada in an Olympic semifinal? What's well, I think as uh, as a German, it's not so much who you beat. Um, you know, obviously those countries they're they're so much better than we are in in hockey, and they're so much bigger. They have so many more players and. Um, you know, it's just the fact to see that you know we can beat those teams and that we can, um, you know, go to go to a semifinals at the Olympics and um, you know it's just uh, it's just so special for um, you know a small hockey country. Uh, hockey country like Germany. All right, a little bit there from Leon Dreisaitl. Your Oilers update for Nisku Ford. Every model on sale every day. Nisku Ford above expectations. My name is Reed Wilkins. Always appreciate when you tune in. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. A lot going on. Uh, spent most of the first hour on the Oilers and the NHL trade deadline. The Olympics in full throttle. Some great moments for Canada in uh, figure skating. And to talk a little bit more about that, making a long overdue do return to inside sports it's jamie soleil hey jamie how are you good evening how are you i'm doing awesome it's uh, it's good to have you on the show again uh, obviously people uh, i should just remind people 2002 olympic gold medalist i guess that oh. never gets old eh? getting introduced as an <laughs> olympic gold medalist uh, no it sure doesn't it, it's funny you, you um you kind of not forget but then when the olympics come up again everybody wants to talk to you about it and i'm getting text messages all the time um, of what I think of this and why aren't you there and so yeah it brings up all the memories of course again and it's nice. Well because you did commentary the last couple of Olympics too didn't you? Well I was in, David and I uh, did Vancouver actually right. with TSN and, and um, I just, I'm, I'm first of all I wasn't asked 
which is not a bad thing for me, but I'm so busy now that I wouldn't even have been able to go. So it's good. It's all good, and I'm enjoying watching from my uh, my TV and my living room and hanging out with my kids. We're all watching it together and enjoying it very much. Well, and, and that's cool. You can share with your kids and and, and people listening to the show tonight th- that whole Olympic experience. Um Look, when, when you're a uh, high, like, elite Olympic-level, world championship-level figure skater, uh, you've dealt with hundreds of big competitions in your life. Mm-hmm. But was it different for you, or do you think it's different for the people now, actually, to be in the Olympics? I mean, can you can you treat it like you treat a world championship or tell you tell yourself, I just have to go out and execute how I always did? Like, how do, how do people deal with the nerves and, and, and yeah. face that? That's a good question. You know, we have, you've got Kurt Browning, who everyone, most people in Red Deer know as well, and, and, and everyone in skating in the world even, but um, people listening right now would know that name. He's four-time world champion and wasn't able to quite <laughs> do his best at the Olympics, whatever that was because of, um, but I would say nerves and pressure. And for some reason, the Olympic Games just become that much trickier to be able to um control those nerves and I'm not sure why it's literally a world championship you know put into a, um, a the winter games obviously with other events there it's very exciting and I would say for some maybe it's distracting but um, I think there's just so much hype over the winter games they're once every four years and we would, we were told like don't come home without the gold and break a leg and we're like well okay that's an old stage thing that's not really a figure skating thing <laughs> Right. Um, you know, and, and it was just really about that. And Kurt was, you know, each time he went into the games, he was world champion and he was expected to win gold. And so you just have this thought in your head. And I think what really helped for me personally was that I did so much visualizing before I, the whole year leading up to the games. That's all I really did when I left the ice every day. I would go home and I'd watch videos of myself skating perfectly. I would lay there and seriously for like a half an hour, it was like my study time. That's what I did. So when I got there, and we had issues before we left. I was really, really, really sick. So I literally got there not not even feeling 100%. So I knew that mentally I was very prepared. Physically, it would come in a few days. And by the time we skated our short program, I was pretty much 100%. And 100% for the long. And I just knew that as much pressure as I felt and the distractions that were going on and the excitement around the Olympics, I was just knew I was ready. And I so I attribute us handling it to uh, to not just being physically prepared, but mostly mentally. Yeah, that, I love those stories about the, the confidence and the mental preparation because that often oh, separates people at the top, right? Yeah, It's 90% mental. When you're at that level, when you go to perform, whether I just listen to Dry Saddle talk, you know, it's 90% when those guys are playing. It's 90% mental for any of us that are competing at a high level in that moment or that time. It's 10% physical. Your body knows what to do. You're trained. You're a well-trained machine. It's it's so mental. Jamie Soleil joining us on Inside Sports tonight. You know, I wanted to ask you about Patrick Chan, and <laughs> I, I, I watched his his skate, and I kind of was thinking to myself, like, geez, how come I, how come it, it seems to me, and you know, I mean, you know what it's like. This is such a hockey mad country. Not that it's the only sport, but it's a distant, yeah. it's first place, way ahead of everybody else. And I think sports fans know who Patrick Chan is, but they were going over his resume, you know, before his skate, and I was like, geez, even I kind of forgot how much uh, he's accomplished. I mean, does even does does he get the accolades he's he's deserved over the years? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, Patrick is probably one of the most, um, oh, I'm trying to think of a good word. He is such a beautiful skater, and I know mm-hmm. beautiful. He wouldn't want to use, be used as, uh, or called beautiful, but his skating quality is above anybody's, and even, like, in the past. Like, he's just, he's one of a kind. Unfortunately, the guys today um, that I saw in his event, like, you can't compete. Like, he can do, he beats them in the quality of his skating, his skills and his edge quality, his speed, his um, effortlessness when he skates. Um, you can't even hear him skate when he's out there except when he lands his jump. But those guys were doing six, four, three to five or six quads in their program, and he only did, I think, I missed his long, actually. Did he only do one or two, maybe? Yeah, I think and, he, um, yeah, I think he might have done one and had I'm, another one planned and made it a triple, I think, yeah. Yeah, he popped it. We, we say in skating, he popped it, yeah. Okay. So, and so you there you go, right? And unfortunately, when you do a quad, you get 12 points right there. So that's the technical side of it. Then there's still, the judges can put pluses and minuses. They can still kind of like play with the marks that way. But you can't, you can't uh, take away that the American guy went out and did six quads. So like, do the math. He, so got right, all those, yeah. he got all those points right off the bat. And so Patrick's like, he's out. And so he's had a great pass. I think um, it was interesting to see him come back for this Olympics, knowing the, the, uh, the uh, quality or the strength of his event. But I admire that. I think, you know, he really wanted to skate for himself. And, um, but it was very tough competition, and he knew that going in. But uh, I will say he's probably one of my favorite skaters. Like, when, you, when I say skaters, his ability, like his edges, and like I was talking, and his spins, like, He's, he's incredible in his interpretation of music. Beautiful. Jamie, i got to ask you about the team event. They didn't have this when, <laughs> when you were skating in the Olympics. Um, yeah. You probably saw Steve Simmons from the National Post wrote a oh. column blasting, uh, first of all, mixed doubles curling, and I've talked to a couple curlers about that, and also saying the team event, you know, figure skaters don't skate as part of a team and it's a made-up medal and it doesn't count as much. Is it weird to have a team event in figure skating when it's mostly two people or individual, or do you think it's good to celebrate the entire strength of a national program? Well, there's a few ways to look at it. I, <laughs> I, I think it's fun to watch in a way. Like, I mean, but I will say, as an as a pair skater going into the Olympics, if someone told me I had to, do, I had to skate both my programs twice, and one was for a team event, which really, I'm sorry, it doesn't. It, that's not my importance. It's kind of like, oh, like it's important, but it's not. <laughs> I guess my analogy would be like the Stanley Cup compared to the Olympic medal for the hockey players, maybe. Like, they all want to win for Canada, but they really want the Stanley Cup. Right. right. So for me, as a pair skater, I'd be like, oh, like in some ways you kind of want to save your best skate for your actual own event. And someone say, well, you should be able to do it 10 times in a row, but that's not possible. Like, we're not machines, but even though as ready as you are mentally as or I thought I was or I was, it's um, it's still hard. Like, any day you could wake up sick or sore or whatever, right? So I personally don't love the, pair, the, the team event. I think um, you've got some of some of the teams don't have, it's not really equal, you know? You don't have the strength that, like, Canada's kind of a powerhouse. And, yeah, I love that we won. That's amazing. But um, Patrick Chan finished sixth or eighth. What did he finish? Something like that. And everybody's listening to me right now going, Jamie Soleil doesn't even know, doesn't even know the results in figure skating. Honestly, I'm not following it that close. 
<laughs> well, and the but, te- the team event, like you obviously, he was, yeah. He got gold. He got gold in the team event. So now he goes home as an Olympic gold medalist. Like it's kind of funny, but that's it's great. But it's funny too at the same time. You're like, well, no, he didn't win himself. His team won, you know. But yeah. Anyways, but who won? Who won? Who won in the team event? Tessan Scott won, and who else? That's it. Okay. So they yeah. got the most points, right? Like yeah, Canada got the well. most points, right? Yeah, but it's, so it's a, it's an interesting event. I'm not. I'm kind of on the fence with it. Cool. Does that, does that answer your question? Yeah, I think so. No, I wanted to get that perspective because I mean, it potentially could have happened to you if they'd put it in a, a couple Olympics earlier, right? So yeah, yeah, I don't know why they did it. Like, I I honestly don't know why they they end up putting it in the games. I think it can be a little bit of a a little bit too much for some of them, but. Well, that, that is, I think you make a good point that if you're so focused on winning the gold medal for yourself or for you and your dance or pairs partner, and right. what if you absolutely nail it in the team event? Yeah. And then you fall down five times in the individual event. It's like, oh, well, so we had the. Well, and that, that you know. can happen, right? Yeah. And it's just, you're so prepared for your own event, and then you got to go out there and skate with, for something that it doesn't. Uh, I don't know. I hate saying it doesn't mean anything, but of course it means that they come home with a medal as a team, but it's it's not the same. It's not the same as doing it on your own. Yeah, for sure. Jamie, hey, it's, it was great to have you on the show again. Uh, we'll have to keep in touch because I love having you on. So uh, enjoy the rest of the Olympics, and I know you're enjoying your life. Thanks for coming on the show tonight. Uh, I want to ask, are we going to win the, the hockey? Tonight? Yeah. Uh, yes, 3-1 Canada wins. Okay, I said 4-2. Well, there you go. Great minds think almost alike. There you go. <laughs> See you soon. Right. Thanks, for, thanks for having me. That's Jamie Salai checking in tonight inside sports on 6.30. Chad. Good to talk to her. Of course, uh, she's told the story dozens of times, so we didn't have it tonight. But uh, part of that judging scandal, well, she wasn't part of the scandal. She was affected by the scandal in 2002. Her and David Pelche got the gold and uh, now an interested observer in the world of figure skating. Uh, I'm curious what people think of that team event. I know when we talked about the mixed doubles curling last week, people were basically like, uh, you know, telling Steve Simmons where he could go. Someplace warm, but not in a good way. <laughs> uh, but what about the team event in figure skating? Is it is it tacked on? Is, is it, you know, is it is it weird to say, okay, go do your, pro- you get hyped up to do your program in your event. Oh, and also do it one other time and we'll add in the results with all the people with the same birth certificate from, from the same country, you know. So you can text 630-630. Uh, Chicago now up 2-1 on Ottawa, eight minutes into the second period. That's the only NHL game underway so far. Some gift certificates, uh, some people, some, I've been messing this up lately. Some some, some guests some gift certificates <laughs> receive guests to Northern Chicken. That's the winning one, right? That's there. the winning one. We, we we're giving gift certificates. That's what we're doing. We're finding people for gift certificates. Some gift certificates <laughs> are rewarded with people who have been guests on Inside Sports. Uh, Northern Chicken, enjoy a cold craft beer or a great glass of bourbon with modern soul food and other tasty treats at Northern Chicken, 10704 124th Street. We're coming back. Uh, Pretty cool. Uh, Hockey is for everyone announcement today at Rogers Place. We'll get into that. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 
Okay, so tomorrow at Rogers Place, uh, they're going to celebrate Hockey is for Everyone. This is uh, an initiative along with the NHL and NHLPA. So it's Hockey is for Everyone Night in support of the You Can Play project. So it's an annual campaign. It's just uh, to celebrate anybody who can play or watch hockey regardless of their race, color, religion, nationality, gender identity, age, sexual orientation, uh, socioeconomic status, and ability. And uh, today they had a news conference at Rogers Place. So this was cool. i, I got to play this interview here because I talked to Dean Kravitz. He's from the Edmonton Impact Sledge Hockey Club. The group of us, there's probably about six of us as the founding members, we started the club because we wanted an organization that just concentrated on sledge hockey because all the other disabled organizations at the time had a bunch of different sports like basketball or rugby, you know, athletics and different things. And we just wanted a club that concentrated on sledge hockey. So all the funding and all the, you know, anything we did had to do with sledge hockey. And that's why we started the club in 2000. And we just wanted a group of guys to just play sledge hockey and just concentrate on that. That's how it kind of got started. So, I mean, you're starting with basically one team. So what's the growth been like over the last almost two decades? Yeah, like I said, we started with the six. And probably the last eight years, we always average between 26 and 30 members. And we always make... In the last 10 years or so, we've been making two teams. Because in sledge hockey, you can get by with about 12 players. And, you, you know, you just don't need as many. You can have four defensemen and six forwards and play a game. Because they're not long games. They're only 15-minute periods. Even in international, that's how they do it. And you just can't, you don't need the big benches because you're using your arms and stuff. It's just a little bit different. And you don't play as many games in a year. In a year. You know, you're lucky to get 12 to 16 because there's just not as many as many teams. You're lucky to play every two weeks. So, Dean, in terms of... Now, now forgive my ignorance here, but obviously if, if somebody wants to play sledge hockey, they've probably unfortunately had an injury or, or, or something happened to them. So how do you, how do they transition, you know, back into that sort of activity? Because maybe they were, you know, playing, you know, more traditional hockey or other sports before that. Yeah, we've had, we usually have two kind of situations. Somebody that was born with a disability, so then they're coming in at hockey not knowing the sport at all, so they got to learn it from that angle and just understand the game. And then if somebody's been injured and they used to play hockey, the hardest part for them is they know the game. That part's easier for them. What the harder part is to play the game in a different way by sitting, not skating. And so that's the hardest part. And and accepting their injury and then being okay playing this disabled sport of hockey, sledge hockey. So it's getting, you know, and having to do everything with your arm, stick candle, push the sled with your arm and stuff. That's the harder part for the ones that come from stand-up hockey and that injury. But it's just like anybody gets injured, you've got to deal with the injury first before you can move on and start doing the leisure and coping with the everyday and leisure parts of life. Well, how does that, how does the activity and team involvement help with that coping? Oh, it's huge. When I started, what was great is that, you know, having or being around buddies again and guys that have disabilities, you can sit there and talk, oh, how'd you get your chair? Where'd you get your wheelchair? Oh, what kind of modifications did you get your van? Oh, what, you know, what kind of, what did you do your house so you can get around it? Oh, you got a ramp where you find, like, you know, there's, you find somebody that you can talk about with your disabilities and that part. You know, you get, because then you find that camaraderie with them that, that you're dealing with some good friends and new friends that are going through the same stuff you are. And it's a, the biggest thing again, and being on a team again. 
right? The best part is you got memories like, I always say like, I've got some Glen Rose friends that I met when I was in the hospital, then I got my sledge hockey friends that you met because just like anybody that was on a winning team or from high school, doesn't matter what the sport is, and that's the same thing, getting a sledge hockey or on a team and hang out with some buddies again. Like, that's the greatest part about it. Dean, obviously, so you have a prosthetic arm yeah. and uh, you're missing a leg. So what, what is your story? Uh, I was hurt while I was working in a pipeline construction industry. I got caught up in a, a, a side boom or a pipe layer, it's called. It's a track machine. It's like a bulldozer. So I got my leg got caught in it. And then my arm also got mangled up because I was trying to kind of help myself. And that's kind of what happens, reaction. And you hurt both limbs. So I both, lost both arms. And, of course, just getting by and surviving and getting to the hospital. And I'm thinking a couple years after, it was probably five years after, I got out of the hospital, I'm thinking, I got to try to do some kind of activity. And so I went to this sports conference and I met some sledge hockey guys. And they're saying, oh, come try some sledge hockey in the summer because they had some summer ice. So first time I go, they put me in a sled, which I can kind of transfer with one leg, so I'm not getting a sled. But then they're thinking, how can I push myself around? So they're taping this stick to my artificial arm and stuff. I did one lap, which took me probably 15 minutes. And I'm saying, no, give me a glove. I'll go sit in net. I think I could probably do this better. So I, my first time in net, I'm not in there with no goalie pads, no helmet, nothing. Like just a regular, uh, you know, player's cage. And I'm catching the puck, and they're all like, hey, he's not scared of the puck. Because, right, I played baseball. I took grounders when I was a kid. I had a good glove hand, and so I ended up playing in net. So I just modified a blocker and a goalie stick, right, instead of my artificial arm. And I found out a way that, that I can play in net and stuff. What does it mean that the Oilers are, are doing the hockey is for everyone night? Oh, really? It's a great, great thing that they're doing because they did support us. That, that They mentioned that we were at the Sled Classic and they supported our club by us being able to wear their jerseys and use the Edmonton Oilers name because it's an NHL-sponsored the tournament, the only NHL-sponsored teams can go there. So they sponsored two teams to go this year, right? Uh, when our club got to go in Tier 2, and another organization got to go in Tier 3, and we represented the Oilers really well. We got, we ended up losing and ended up tied for, you know, we lost in the semi, so we were tied for third or fourth, however you want to say it. And the other club ended up winning Tier 3. So we re represented the Oilers really well, and I was the first time an Oilers team ever went to the Classic, and and actually, like, not very, like, this year was the year we had, I think, three NHL teams there. Otherwise, it's always been U.S. teams, so it was really nice that a couple Canadian teams were able to go and represent Canada, Alberta, and Edmonton. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. People texting in about team figure skating. This texter says, why can't they add up the individual performance events and use that to calculate the team medals? Well, because that would make too much sense. <laughs> that texture, you're the next head of the International Skating Union. Send me your resume, I'll forward it on, and we'll deal with it. No, I'm serious, so that, that makes sense. Uh, IMAX says, team skating is ridiculous. You can't make a team sport out of an individual sport. But the mixed doubles curling I loved, especially because I can't watch the boring four-person version. Well, that's interesting. And some, uh, well, I've asked people if curling uh, needs to adapt at all to speed it up or uh, shorten the games. Was that Bulls on Parade? Is that how hip I am with the music? That is exactly I, how hip you I are. I knew a song made after 1995. Wow. 
Or did that come out before 1995? No, that was post, I'm quite certain. Maybe. We'll look it up. You've impressed me, Reed. For once. <laughs> the interview there before the news break, it was really great to talk to Dean Kravitz. He's with the Edmonton Imp- Impact Sledge Hockey team, and he told his story about how he was injured and got into sledge hockey. So I talked to him about Roger's place today. Part of Hockey is for Everyone. It's going to be Hockey is for Everyone night t- tomorrow at Roger's place. Jujar Kara is the Oilers ambassador for that. And, uh, yeah, pretty cool event. The Oilers will wear pride tape for the warm-up tomorrow. And uh, I caught up with my old buddy. He's been on the show. Uh, he was on the show a few weeks ago. Lauren Weber from the Edmonton Seahawks. That's Edmonton's blind hockey team. He was there as well. So I'll have his his interview on the face-off show tomorrow. He's a pretty uh, pretty cool guy. Plays goalie on the blind hockey team. And a very challenging position, obviously. Well, goaltending is that anyway. Reed Wilkins with you inside sports on 630 Ched. I'm pleased to welcome to the show a bronze medalist in curling from the 2006 Olympics, Amy Nixon. Amy, thanks for making time for me tonight. How are you doing? I'm great. I hope I didn't uh, make you bristle by reading the text from the uh, listener who called curling the boring four-person version after watching mixed doubles. <laughs> well, it's only been something I've dedicated my life to. It's okay if, <laughs> you know, people don't all love it. It's fine. <laughs> uh, the, you got to admit, though, the mixed doubles seem to be a, a, really a hit with a lot of viewers, I think. Yeah, I've heard a number of people say they enjoyed it. Okay. Um, you know, you obviously had a, I mean, as you said, you've dedicated your life to curling, Olympic bronze medalist. Uh, I want to say you won the Scotties twice and have two other top three finishes. Does that sound right off the top of my head? That's close. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty good. Okay. And, uh, and and you went you went to the Olympics, and obviously now we're talking a lot about curling and specifically about the women's side of it because Rachel Holman had a, had a tough time uh, mm-hmm. going through the games there. G- give us your sense of the pressure and expectation of being on a Canadian curling team at an in- international event, especially at, at the Olympics. Well, I would say the Olympics is completely different than the Worlds as a starting point. I mean, Worlds is awesome and there's lots of dedicated curling fans and people that pay attention to a world championship but it's a whole another animal to go to an olympics and have many many if not most people who watch the olympics really engaged in in curling suddenly Uh and you get a lot more of the the armchair fan uh result from that and i also think that it's such a different ball game even now than it was in 06 with social media and the prevalence of people kind of posting and, and tweeting at and uh, all that kind of stuff. Well, and, and so there you go, and, and I think I'm glad you brought up sort of you get more maybe that armchair fan, people who might only watch uh, curling every maybe once a year at the big events or maybe every four years just at the uh, the curling Olympics so or at the Olympics, so the Canadian teams, all the expectations, and as I'm sure you've seen it, I mean, you know, maybe unfairly in a lot of cases, Holman's rink getting, getting hammered for not even making the, the semifinals. Um, so is that, I mean, is this a failure? Did she come up short? Should should have she been expected to do better? Or are we as Canadians maybe underestimating how good the rest of the world can be? Well, I think they'd be the first ones in a candid conversation to say that they're terribly disappointed by the outcome. You're talking about a team that just last year was undefeated at the World Championship and won gold. So... I mean, it, it's one thing to say, oh, other teams are catching up. Well, we're talking about a team that went undefeated at the World Championship last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so certainly, there's no doubt in my mind that they're they're quite disappointed. Um, I, I know I would have been. 
And I know that the most relief I've ever felt in my life was winning a bronze medal in 2006. Certainly remember turning to my teammate Skip Shannon Clybrink and we'd all gotten team tattoos with the rings on our ankles, quite big, like a hand, a kind of size. And I said, dude, I do not want to be on the first uh, Canadian curling team to not win a medal, especially with this big tattoo on my ankle. So, <laughs> so I have a lot of empathy for where they find themselves um, because it could have been a number of different teams over the years and they just happened to get sort of the the crap luck. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you're, it was bound to happen eventually, right? So, yeah. And look, uh, the, the men are in the semifinals, but there's no guarantee they're going to get a medal, right? they got to win at least one of their uh, remaining two games, uh, too. And we got St. Albert's uh, Mark Kennedy is uh, the third for Kevin Cooey. Amy Nixon joining us on Inside Sports. So when, when you look at how the home and rink played, and, and they got off to a bad start, and you've been in these big events and these bond spiels, and I don't know how much you got you got to see them play because of the odd hours, but was it just you know getting behind the eight ball? Did, did they have maybe some confidence issues? Do you, do you think execution issues? How do how do you look at their performance? Well, I think I, I didn't. You're right. I didn't get to watch a ton of it. I have a full time job and an almost five year old, so it's not like I sit and watch three hour games all the time. But I I would say from what I saw, lots of inconsistency. I mean, that's a team that I've played. I, I don't know, over the last eight seasons, I retired last season, and whenever I saw their name next up, I knew it was going to be, at best, a battle, and at worst, you know, not good for us. <laughs> They're just that good. They really are. Um, so they weren't themselves, for whatever reasons, I don't know. Uh, and I think that's something to, I mean, I'm just careful as a player to know I don't know what the ice was. I don't know what the rocks were. I don't know if they had health issues. I don't know if they had inter, you know, inter-team dynamics. There's a lot of things that when you're watching at home, you just simply can't gauge. Um, and so I have a lot of respect for it's unusual, um, certainly odd, <laughs> but I don't know all the reasons why. Yeah, well, you make a good point. There's a lot that can go wrong, right? Even even mm-hmm. at the even at the highest level, and it's not like they. Uh, I mean, you mentioned they were undefeated at Worlds a year ago, so they didn't forget how to curl uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> at big events in, in the last uh, in, in the last twelve months. Uh, Amy, th- thanks for checking in tonight. I, I mean, just just to sort of sort of wrap up here, what's the maybe what's the secret if there is one in your in your mind? Maybe there isn't, but I mean. To, to you to be a Canadian curler, you have to be able to embrace the the pressure at a big event, don't you? I mean, I've talked to the, the Kevin Martins of the world about, about this too. I mean, you almost have to you almost have to find a way to thrive on it, don't you think? Hundred percent. That that's what you need to try to do, and I think it's a lot easier to do when things are going well, and it's a lot tougher to do when things are kind of going downhill and you start to be under the microscope. Yeah, it's just the practical reality of it. But you do have to find a way. All right, is the five year old curling or not quite yet? She tells me she's not going to curl. She's going to be an artist uh, and a hockey player. So we'll see. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay, well, that'd be a heck of a combination. You know, yeah. uh, hockey in the winter, paint or write plays in the summer. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I've spent enough time in my life in curling rinks. So hockey rinks or soccer pitches or whatever, I'm pretty open to whatever <laughs> she finds her passion in. Nice. Amy, thanks for making time for us tonight. Obviously, you have a unique, uh, unique perspective here for what the home and rink uh, experience. So thanks for coming on Inside Sports tonight. All right, thanks for having me. That is Amy Nixon checking in t- uh, tonight.
2006 Olympic bronze medalist uh, with Shannon Clybrick, decorated curler, uh, won the Scotties a couple times, also has a silver and a bronze, and uh, was uh, won the silver, got second place at the 2009 Canadian Olympic trials right here in Edmonton. Okay, U of A hockey playoff time trying to get a spot in nationals a spot in the canada west final we'll talk to goaltender brendan burke when we get back this is mark latestu from your edmonton oilers and you're listening to inside sports with reed wilkins on oilers radio 630 chat Latestu will participate in Furnace Family Oilers Hockey tomorrow. Edmonton's Furnace Replacement Experts call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. Oilers home to the Avalanche. 5.30 face-off show game at 7 here on 6.30. Chet, thanks so much for tuning in tonight. Had some good text messages uh, on a variety of topics on the line. I never have time to read all of them, but Paul says, I wholeheartedly support team competitions in figure skating as I believe this is the way of the future for other sports. It's a great way to show to the world how strong a country is and not just individual uh, with not just individual athletes but the entire figure skating federation of a certain country as a comparison such team events already exist in gymnastics and other sports that's Paul texting 630 630 my name is Reed Wilkins I'm pleased to welcome back to the show Golden Bears hockey goaltender Brendan Burke Brendan how are you doing doing good guys thanks for having me good to talk to you again Uh, you've been in touch with your dad lately uh, yeah, a little bit. We play a little more phone tag right now. It's hard with the time change, but uh, mostly text right now, just back and forth. I was congratulating him on the big win, and uh, yeah, maybe I'll try and call him right after talking to you guys. I uh, should uh, clarify, just in case people don't know, your dad is Sean Burke, GM of the men's Olympic hockey team. Uh, Germany next in the semifinal. Not a perennial power, but uh, I, I would doubt your father or anybody with that team is, is thinking they got a, a free space on the bingo card here because it's a, there's been some unpredictable results in the tournament, and Germany's pulled off a couple dramatic overtime wins. Yeah, definitely, especially with the the setup with no NHL players this year. There's a lot of teams who can win. You, know, you even saw the South Korean team, and they weren't an easy uh, easy win for a lot of, a lot of uh, teams you would normally uh, think of as powerhouses. So I don't think they'll take Germany light, lightly. I, they actually have quite a few good players on them. I was looking at their roster. So, um, yeah, the way this, uh, this Olympics is set up, uh, anybody can beat anyway. All right, Brandon, U of A. Finished first in Canada West. You had a bye into the semifinals. Mount Royal, the number six, upset number three, Manitoba. So you're going to be playing Mount Royal. Maybe not the opponent you expected. What can you tell me about them? Yeah, they're a really good team. Uh, they're better than their, their seeding. They got off to a bit of a slow start this year. So um, I think them as a sixth seed, well, obviously, since they beat Manitoba uh, in straight games, it obviously is a, a bit deceiving, but... They're a real good team. They got some really good forwards, and uh, you know, Lanik and their goalie, he can he can steal a game too. So we're gonna have to be our best. All right. Uh, obviously, uh, no. You and Sacheco split most of the games all year, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I play Friday. He plays Saturday. Now, did this coach told you what you're going to be doing this weekend? Now that it's playoffs. No, no, we have no idea, and really, we had no idea through most of the year. It was just weekend to weekend. He would tell us and. Um, there's only a few weekends where we we mix things up, um, so so we'll see. I'll uh, I'll find out tomorrow after practice, like always. All right. Well, I mean, I'm just looking at your stats here. Uh, you were 11, two and one, or sorry, you were 11 and two. Uh, he was 12 and two, uh, 9.21 and 9.11 save percentages. So not much to choose between between you guys. <laughs> so uh, yeah, good goaltending always a backbone for the U of A teams. Uh, up front, you got three players in the top five in 
conference scoring. Luke Philp led the conference with 40 points in uh, 28 games. Uh, what can you say about Luke's season? Yeah, he, he's an awesome talent. Uh, he had a great year, and it's not really a surprise. Um, he put up great numbers in junior hockey, a great, great first season last year, and uh, I think a lot of people expect them maybe to take a run of a scoring title. Uh, but, you know, people may probably don't know how good of a guy he is. Uh, me and him right now are actually grinding calculus together, so me and him have been studying together all week, and uh, we're just trying to get through that class. All right, well, I had no idea you... Uh... <laughs> You, you, you were you were grinding it out with calculus uh, with Luke right now. What? How did you spend the weekend off? Obviously, that was unusual for you guys to get a break like that. Yeah, it was weird. It was nice having uh, a weekend at home where we don't have to play games. But we we practiced Friday, Saturday, had Sunday off, um, kind of like we usually do. Usually, we we play Friday, Saturday, and then have Sunday off. So uh, it didn't feel too different. It was just nice to get a little rest. Uh, um, a couple more early nights than uh, you would normally play in a late game. All right, so uh, it's a best of three now, 7 o'clock Friday, 6 o'clock Saturday, if a game three is needed, 6 o'clock on Sunday. Obviously, if you guys win, you get a spot in Nationals, and you'd also host uh, the winner of the other semifinal. We, I mean, we expect possibly Saskatchewan, but we'll see the following weekend in the Canada West Final. Brendan, it's always great to have you on the show. I never thought I'd say this on Inside Sports, but enjoy the calculus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. And we'll do this again soon, okay? Awesome. Take care, guys. Thanks for having me. That is Brendan Burke, goaltender for the U of A Golden Bears, checking in. Always love talking to him. And, yeah, his dad uh, in South Korea, GM of the Canadian men's Olympic hockey team. You can always get more on the Oilers and Eskimos on 630Ched.com. Story up there today on Mark Letestu. All the Eskimos coverage on Aaron Grimes and some of their recent signings as well. Dave Campbell is the producer of the show. Patrick Bauer, the studio producer this evening. Oilers and Avalanche tomorrow, 5.30 face-off show. The game will start at 7 right here on 630Ched. It has been tough for the Oilers. Just two wins, or sorry, one win in their last eight. But it was over the Avalanche. They'll try to do it again tomorrow night. You miss anything? Sign up for the Inside Sports Podcast on iTunes or go listen to the archived audio on 630Ched.com. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in. Adler is next.